How's that iPad setting up working for you? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I was actually just thinking before. Um, you could never, like, not hit record like you might on a Mac because, like, you'd have, like, five windows open and you might have something in full screen and then you forget to go back to QuickTime or whatever and hit record. But on an iPad, it's like, I've got Ferrite, I've got <laughs> Notes, and it's pretty bloody obvious what's happening. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I love we it. we have had that issue before. <laughs> <laughs> Only on like the most important interview we ever did. <laughs> cleverly edited so that no one noticed. That actually was pretty cleverly edited. Thank I didn't you. know. I couldn't notice. No, well, I think there's only like maybe 3 times that I spoke that had to be edited out and then like very minor knock-on effects in uh, after that as well. Ah, that's was just lucky then. Yeah, it's not like I introduced a whole topic. That would have been disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your week been? Good. I've got some very exciting news. I just bought a new iPhone. Well, not new. Oh, really? New to me iPhone. See if you can guess what it was. Okay. Um, Keep in mind that I'm not on the mm-hmm. new iPhone hype train. Right. Yeah, I didn't figure it was a new one. And it's also not a, uh, I guess, generation, in quotes, that I've owned before. Oh. An 8? No, actually, that's a good guess. But no, I don't think I'd ever buy an 8. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's an SE. Generation. You got an SE? Wow. I have been kind of lusting after the SE for so long. I, mean, I love the form factor of the, the 5 and the 5S and the SE uh, when they're right. out. And um, so currently I've got the, the 6 Plus and it's just such a dog. I mean, I don't use it frequently. Um, right. But I just, you know, I just want that, uh, whatever the next gen processor is. Is it an A8 or A9 in the SE? I can't really remember. But I know it's oh, like the, the 6S track. processor in this <laughs> yeah. sweet little form factor. You know, with 4K video recording and I don't know what size the screen in. Was it 4.8, I think? The SE has 4K video recording? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is amazing. It's such a sleeper phone. But anyway, I can't yeah. wait to start using it. Well, one of our topics today might excite you then. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been before we get into it? Uh, it's been all right. I've been... Doing a lot of car shopping. As in parts for the car? Uh, no. <laughs> Another car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. So I got my fun car. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I I bought that with the plan that the car I'd been driving, it's been reliable and I've been driving it for like the last six years or so, uh, but it's not quite big enough to fit my whole family in. Mm-hmm. And so... I wanted to get something something with three rows, basically, to fit all of us in. And uh, But I didn't want to drive something with three rows every day, so I said, I'm going to buy myself a fun car. And that was my Camaro. And then I'm going to sell the car that I drive every day and find another, uh, a larger car for all of us to fit in. Three rows. So, we... so you got the Tesla X. <laughs> I mean... Man, you... if only... <laughs> Yeah, you know, even the Model S has a third row, kind of. If you like those uh, jump seats in the back, that you got to climb in through the hatch and sit backwards. 
So, but I'm having a heck of a time, and the the dealerships here are crazy. I usually always buy cars. Well, I always buy cars uh, used. I don't ever pay the markup for a new car, but I also usually go like through eBay or Craigslist when I'm searching for cars. Uh, but I was hoping to find something a little closer to new, like with maybe ten to twenty thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like my best shot for that is going through a dealership, and dealerships have like really aggressive sales practices, which isn't isn't new news, uh, but. Like some of the dealerships in town, like just to view their inventory online, you have to give them your contact information. And I've just been getting harassing calls for like the last week just because I looked at their cars online once. I've experienced this firsthand within the month, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I'm, I've am i been uh, yeah, toying with the idea of uh, replacing the car. So I, I went into a, a Volkswagen dealership and kind of just to get a feel of what was available. And there was like a demo model there for a pretty decent amount off the new price. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I've got this car to trade in. Like what trade in value can you give me? And we were kind of not like bartering a price, but I was still just trying to feel out what uh, what the final price would be. And he said, oh, his kind of classic salesman tactics. He, at first, he started making me feel bad when I started kind of pulling away a bit. And then he offered, oh, why don't we take this price that you want? to my manager all you have to do is sign this form with the price written down on it <laughs> and of course <laughs> like i'm always definitely 100 percent against signing anything unless you're actually making a purchase so after a few more right. questions it became clear that if i signed this form i'd bought the bloody car <laughs> like, <laughs> in my mind i was still in this like bartering phase and in his mind or at least according to whatever he was taught in salesperson school, like, turn the bartering into, a, like, an unconditional purchase of a car. And then, of course, I left the dealership and then got a call every day for the following two weeks, which I happily ignored. Right. Yeah. Uh, not having any experience with this, I actually, like, ahead of time, like, sat down and watched some YouTube videos, like, how do you deal with car salesmen? Like, what's the best way to haggle or just even to, like wade through the bullshit and like just like watching the videos of this is how you handle a car buying like scenario made me really just not interested at all in going into a dealership (laughs) (laughs) it's so much more pleasant buying privately isn't it it really is yeah i mean i'm sure everyone is hiding something about what they're selling and everyone wants the most money but i still feel like you get more honesty out of just person to person than these people who sell cars for a living and are experts at like twisting words and trying to get things to work in their favor there are honest members of the general public left but there are no honest car salesmen left <laughs> that's right <Sales> people. <laughs> <laughs> well good morning to you good morning james welcome to the r apple show this is kind of a sad episode for me this uh marks the the death of something that we've been anticipating since the show started something near and dear to your heart <laughs> a little less to mind but... as yeah as near and dear as something that i've never seen or touched can be <laughs> <laughs> you're strongly emotionally attached to this object that never really existed hey <laughs> that's that's my weakness that's that's how apple gets me they get me strongly emotionally attached to all their products before they even come out and that's how i buy them they're great at marketing, aren't they? They really are. Those slick little animations, the marketing videos, the 
the pages that steal your scrolling. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Oprah. <laughs> How's she connected to air power? Oh, she's just part of Apple's marketing plan. Oh, okay. And apparently Prince Harry as well. I didn't really read the article, but apparently she's connected some way to... He's connected some way to Oprah and then to TV+. Plus. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore that. We'll save that for next next time. (laughs) Did you want to talk about air power straight up then? I was going to save it to the end and have a little funeral service, but we can just go straight ahead. Did you have a service planned? No. 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 (laughs) Prepared remarks? You're going to give a speech? Uh, I have a semi-prepared eulogy, but uh, I thought you would be the better person to give it. <laughs> when were you going to tell me about this? Just now. Okay. Were you going to like text it to me for me to read? <laughs> no, I'm 100% kidding. I've got nothing prepared at all. Okay. I'll just wing. I'll just wing it then. Ah, uh, air power. We hardly knew ye. (laughs) Though our time together was short, it felt so long. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Our time together was as short as the eulogy just delivered. (laughs) So Apple has cancelled air power. And the title of the article, the post is Citing Inability to Meet Its High Standards for Hardware. What a (laughs) cop-out. So, rumor or theory one is that it just caught fire a lot, which was certainly a rumor given by a lot of people and it was um, widely talked about. And just because it, it got too hot with all the overlapping rings. And mm-hmm. rumor two is that it created too much um, electromagnetic interference with the overlapping rings. Um, right such as they had, like, working prototypes and working models, but uh, once they tried to do something like get FDA approval, then it was just generating too much of this interference to possibly be shippable. So there were, there were some interesting articles about how overlapping um, chi rings are kind of create exponentially greater interference or uh, frequencies as they overlap. And, of course, Apple's trying to overlap, what was it, like 32 of them? And so it just became... The number bounced around, but yeah, it was high 20s to low 30s. Yeah, right. And, and it just became like a hazard to anyone walking past, say, with a pacemaker or <laughs> general right. uh, medical equipment. I'm not sure what other problems you might have around the home with like high levels of, of EMF, but uh, that was the other reason given. I but, think I'm uh, leaning more towards that one, honestly. Like if I had to put my money on which which the problem was, I feel like... Apple wouldn't have been getting so ready to launch air power if it was still catching on fire a bunch. But I think that not being able to get the interference past regula- regulatory clearance makes a lot more sense for why it kept seeming like it was getting closer and then finally dropped. I actually had it the other way around in my head. So, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if they were producing these and they weren't catching fire and the only problem was that they couldn't get approval for them, they would know for a long way out that it's still creating this interference like this this is measurable so it's not like you know they had the final design and it was not creating much interference and then suddenly they like started producing it and it was creating the interference right um yes yeah, so keeping in mind that they seem to have uh, cancelled it incredibly last minute 
<laughs> I would have a guess that like they were ready to ship them, and then one of the prototypes just like caught fire somewhere, <laughs> and then <laughs> Tim Cook was like, "That's it, <laughs> to the grave with you." Man, how how close would they have to be to catching fire? Like, if one just caught fire out of nowhere, that means they were all running incredibly hot. So for them to say, like, it's running hot, but it's good. We're going to ship it. And then one finally bursts into flames. I don't know. They just need to wrap it in metal. Although that defeats the wireless charging purpose, but that should keep it cooler and no interference. I was thinking ventilation like fans maybe underneath it maybe increase the height of it to like a solid half an inch um yeah some like a heat sink running fans um and maybe even a little warning that it should be kept in the fridge while using it (laughs) that sounds like an apple product (laughs) yeah it just works asterisk in the fridge (laughs) either gonna be too ugly to work well or Maybe even just ended up becoming so complex that it was going to have to sell for like $400 and no one was going to buy it. Interestingly, I read that uh, the company that Apple purchased that was actually creating the uh, this technology, basically the underpinnings of, of the mat, it was purchased incredibly close to when it was actually announced, like WWDC 2017. So close that they couldn't have possibly had like a solid understanding of how close this was to a shippable product. Yeah, I had read an article uh, a couple weeks ago when the air power cancellation was officially announced uh, that had basically hypothesized that this company that Apple purchased kind of oversold what they're capable of and maybe got Apple more confident in the ability to make this product than they should have been. And so they went ahead and announced AirPower with the understanding that this company was able to do it only to find out that it wasn't technically possible. Just like when they bought Texture and they thought they had a good product and then they found it was a bad product. <laughs> I was thinking more, uh, what was the Sapphire producing company they bought right before the 6S? Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, man. So there was uh, a US-based company that manufactured Sapphire and Apple purchased them maybe almost a whole year before the 6S came out with the anticipation of making the front glass completely sapphire. And stocks in this company rose like crazy because Apple had uh, maybe not fully purchased them, but invested heavily in them with all their machinery and everything else. They had an exclusivity contract with Apple, and they're making a lot of sapphire for these phones. And then as the success got closer and closer, they couldn't ever make their Sapphire pure enough to meet Apple standards and to not have whatever imperfections. So Apple decided to kind of can that last moment. We obviously never got a Sapphire phone. But this company had an exclusivity deal with Apple where the contract said, we won't buy your stuff if it doesn't meet our standards. And also you're not allowed to sell to anyone else. <laughs> and <laughs> the company completely folded and ended up there was like some kind of lawsuit about if the contract was legal. Like, and I think Apple might have had to like either buy some of their equipment off of them or give them some money. But the company folded eventually. Wow, what uh, a uh, what a contract to enter into! I imagine yeah. it was reasonably commonplace to enter into that sort of contract because it's going to be a huge win if you can actually produce it. Um, but what a risk! Yeah, 
So, yeah, it's too bad we never got the, the Sapphire phones. No, we, we're just stuck with the uh, the Sapphire camera lens, basically. Not the lens, the, uh, the cover over the camera. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's not even very high-quality Sapphire. It's like half Sapphire, half glass. Like, enough Sapphire that it registers as Sapphire to a, a gem measuring tool, but not enough Sapphire that it's actually any harder. It still scratches at the same hardness level as glass. There goes my plans on uh, like collecting old broken phones and then making a mint of <laughs> the camera glass. <laughs> Apple kind of initially started this way, and I kind of always tried to continue the tradition in my head. When the 3S or the 3GS came out, Steve Jobs specifically said the S stands for speed. And when the 4S came out, they didn't necessarily say it stood for Siri, but then uh, kind of like, I think it was maybe a year later, Phil Schiller, someone said, yeah, the S stood for Siri. Uh, maybe just to like, someone's like, hey, does that what it stands for? He's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Get off my back, stop asking the question. Yeah. And the 5S came out, and they've never had an official statement what the S stands for after that point. It's just kind of their cycle of products. But I always had it in my head, S stood for like, security or something because I had the fingerprint reader introduced to the 5S and then in my head 6S the S was obviously going to be Sapphire and then they went off the rails (laughs) did you have a backup for that for the Sapphire a backup S for the 6S yeah um and then we're going to keep going after that too well there was the only thing that came out on the 6S was 3D touch and it's really really like screen maybe that's a stretch uh, sensitive screen. Sensitive screen. <laughs> there you go. And the 10S um, is even harder. You can always just like go back to speed, like the original meaning for it. <laughs> That's not a cop out. S- That's fine in my book. S stands for a really small increment. <laughs> <laughs> I do like. Um, Soynav's comment on this AirPower article. I'll miss the news about AirPower more than the product announcement itself. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to talk about? It, it's got to have made up like a decent portion of our topics <laughs> since it was announced. <laughs> I reckon it counts in the high single digits, maybe even double digits. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I think you could probably count on one hand the episodes that we didn't mention AirPower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And did you see Guy Rambo's site is AirPower out yet? And it's just got uh, Craig Figueredi, Fig, Feder, Craig standing on stage in front of a big <laughs> never on the background. I did see that. Did you see what he did for uh, April 1st? No. <laughs> oh, it said yes. And it had a picture of the Apple store with like a very realistic listing for AirPower. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. No, I did see that. I didn't realize that's where it came <laughs> from, though. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So... Yeah, I didn't want to believe it initially when uh, it was announced. I even texted you. I'm like, no, this has to be an April Fool's joke. And they're going to launch it on Monday. <laughs> you were so sure that it was coming out that you had to go. Well, you can tell it. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to, I drove, okay, this. I didn't do it just for this, but I drove two hours to the nearest Apple store on April 1st to go in there and see if they had air power. No, I didn't make the whole trip just for that, but uh, I did specifically stop at the Apple Store while I was in Kansas City for that reason. A four-hour round trip to make sure it wasn't an April Fool's <laughs> joke is what I'm hearing. You can explain <laughs> it away if you want. 
I'll try. So, so this is my justification. They announced the wireless charging AirPods, and I bought them. I feel kind of tricked because I bought them fully expecting AirPower to come out immediately afterwards. Uh, but then also, the latest versions of iOS had the air charging animations brought back, and the new wireless charging AirPods cases have the AirPower pictured on the back and AirPower specifically mentioned. Now, those were produced like six months ago, so maybe not as solid of a justification as I thought. But then Apple's website had new promotional images of AirPower like hidden in there that were uncovered, and I don't know. I I just figured there's no way that we were getting this close, and they were ramping up and getting ready to launch AirPower just to cut it off at the last minute. Everything pointed to it being released. Even um, John John Gruber on Daring Fireball posted a little article. (laughs) Um, AirPower feels like a Friday afternoon product. (laughs) This was posted on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Uh Uh-huh. But clearly someone had just told him, like, brace yourself for an announcement. And then he he read that as it's being announced, not cancelled. (laughs) Exactly. Whoops. So, so do you think this means that Air, like Apple's done trying to pursue wireless charging, or do you think they're going to refocus their efforts in a different way? I think they're done. I, I think unless they can, I don't know, unless they have like another idea, which is which just changes the way that wireless charging works, then I, I don't think they're going to bother with it. I mean, don't they play with basically with pretty much anything that they can think of you know back back in r&d they're probably playing with all sorts of different wireless charging prototypes but i think it would have to be really close to finished and a really strong sell to uh, to the upper management to convince them that there needs to be like another air power on the shelves in a few years right yeah i think i think you're right i think the closest thing we're going to see is probably reverse charging coming to iPhones this year to charge your AirPods or something, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to make their own mat. So what does your wireless charging life look like? Are you all in on the lifestyle? What does it look like in your house? Uh, yeah, I'm all in. You should see my headboard. It has uh, five or six wireless charging pads just on my headboard. I was really looking five forward to six. AirPower. <laughs> right. I mean, if you count the Apple Watch chargers as wireless, which I kind of do, I've got their little spaceship puck wireless charging things. Um, but yeah, so I have my watch, my AirPods, and my phone, and then the same for my girlfriend. So, And then I have a loose uh, lightning cable or two for things like an iPad if we want to charge it in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, why don't you consolidate some of them into those multi-ones with, you know, the little... um little graphics of you know place your phone here place your blah blah here Uh, i have every intention of consolidating uh to some all-in-one pads and then spreading out those individual ones around the house uh i was waiting for air power and that didn't come and then like all the really good ones immediately sold out after the air power announcement was made do they really i didn't know Uh, yeah like the nomad has the best one has like three coils and an apple watch charger and that's what I was planning on getting at least one or two of. Uh, but sold out immediately. And I didn't jump on the train of getting a pre-order in because I was convinced AirPower was coming on Monday. So I'm uh, waiting for some to either come back in stock or to find another compelling one. Compelling ones is what I'm, well, I'm not really waiting for. I guess I'm kind of waiting for, but also probably don't plan to purchase it. But 
every Qi charger I've used in the past has just been basically junk. Like phones that slide off it or phones that need to be placed right. like, with such precision precision that you're like using a ruler. Um, <laughs> there were some like, I mean, Ikea had some and like the little marking of where to place your phone was kind of raised off uh, the rest of the pad. And so every time you got a, like a notification or your phone moved or even if you just walked past it, like on the floorboards in my house, like it would just move off the charging point. <laughs> so you'd come back two hours later and it would just be still an empty phone. So you just got to file that little thing down. <laughs> yeah, or, or just return it like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing I'm looking for in an all-in-one charger, and this is something that even AirPower didn't deliver, so I'm maybe a little excited to find something different, is... I I use my Apple Watch in nightstand mode a lot. That's my go-to clock. It's my only clock in my bedroom at night. So I wasn't looking forward to the sacrifice of having to lay my Apple Watch flat. Um, but now I don't have... This is <laughs> very... Like I, said, I was going to say, I don't feel forced to do that anymore, which is speaking a lot of how much Apple has control over me <laughs> to purchase their air power specifically. But <laughs> now that I'm not forced to use that, I can explore other options that let me still have my watch in nightstand mode <laughs> oh what a life we live huh <laughs> hey i could this is it's for the podcast i was gonna have to do it so that i could review it on the podcast uh this show is what forces me to buy apple products nothing else so half an hour on air power that's uh i think probably a decent enough eulogy or <laughs> our version of Next up, uh, Netflix, Netflix explains the technical limitations responsible for removing AirPlay support on iOS. Uh, so Netflix had like a pretty uh, handcuffed version of AirPlay on iOS. So you had the app on your phone or your iPad and you could AirPlay it to an Apple TV or even uh, cast it to like a, a Chromecast type device. Um, but the catch right. there and the, way, the reason I never used it was that the the thing you were airplaying to had to be signed into the same Netflix account as you're signed into on your phone. Um, oh, really? So I wasn't aware of that. Keep in mind that I've only really done this like a couple of times. So, and this was probably a few years ago. I don't know if the situation has changed since then, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I always found that every time, like whenever I wanted to airplay Netflix from my phone to something, it was in a situation where the device receiving like the the uh, the stream was not going to be signed into my Netflix account. It was going to be signed into someone else's Netflix account. That was like the whole pers- the whole reason behind doing it. And then you get a right. warning that I uh, know both devices need to be signed into the same Netflix account uh, for for you to do this. Um, again, that could be could be very wrong. Maybe that's just a like a cast thing and not an AirPlay thing. But um, yeah, let's pretend that was the case for now. Um, but anyway, Netflix decided that. Even that was uh, was beyond the, the technical capabilities, apparently. So they removed it mm. completely. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever wanted to stream, like AirPlay Netflix from one device to another. Mostly because if I'm streaming Netflix, I'm streaming it to a device that has Netflix app built in anyway. So I would rather use the native experience than tie my phone up streaming that. Right. Um I'm sure there I'm, there are definitely cases, uh, just nothing that's ever come up for me for wanting to do that. Um, but I feel like this is... Netflix has been very... Uh, Hostile? 
uh, hostile, that's the perfect word, hostile towards Apple, just about their entire TV experience. When Apple announced the TV app a couple years ago that let you keep track of where you were in shows, Netflix never supported that, whereas Hulu and a lot of other apps did. Uh, when Apple was about to announce Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix undercut them and came out like a few days beforehand and said, we're not going to be included in that. Um, and then I feel like this is just another kind of aggressive move to, I don't even know what kind of message you're trying to send. Like, we're going to make our experience worse on your devices. That pushes me t- more towards Apple TV+, Plus or other streaming services than it makes me want to, I don't know. I don't know what Netflix Endgame is here. Uh, but technical limitations are a ridiculous cop-out. And that's right. It's 100% a cop-out. I mean, they explained it away by... Oh, they didn't really even explain it, but they made a statement. <laughs> with, AirPlay, with AirPlay support rolling out to third-party devices, there isn't a way for us to, to distinguish between devices, what's an Apple TV and what isn't, or certify these experiences. What... <laughs> Why do they need to certify these experiences? Like, it's just a stream from one device to another. Um, like, as long as the picture is on the screen, then that's mm-hmm. pretty much the experience that I want. <laughs> it doesn't have to be certified <laughs> right. as I want. Since AirPlay is a unified, like a set standard, streaming to any device using the AirPlay standard will be the same. Now, whether or not those devices do the correct thing with the video they receive could be a question but that it's nothing to do with netflix at all and i don't think that customers would necessarily i don't think any reasonable customer who deliberately buys a third-party tv with airplay would hold netflix accountable for if that manufacturer for some reason handled it poorly so do you think this is going to look bad on apple in the end like to the average consumer who's got no idea you know what even what airplay even is they just press buttons and then it suddenly it doesn't work anymore do you think they're going to place the blame on on apple or on netflix i mean i'd lean towards them thinking oh no this is like my my dodgy iphone is not working not doing what it's supposed to (laughs) um that's a good question i guess some a similar thing i can think of is how the youtube app does not allow picture in picture um and do you hold YouTube accountable for that, for deliberately not allowing some of Apple's built-in features? Or do you, you blame Apple for the YouTube app not being able to do picture-in-picture and everything else can't? Right, I 100% blame Google and YouTube. Right. Um, I feel like Netflix is probably going to be in a similar boat. Uh, and anyone who's aware that AirPlay is gone or what's going on will definitely hold Netflix more accountable than Apple. Speaking of YouTube and picture in picture, a couple of years ago when iOS 11 was like was just freshly out, there was a little uh, like shortcut. Um, was it, uh, what was it mm-hmm. called back then? Workflow that you could run to right. actually <laughs> kind of share, uh, use the share sheet in YouTube to send it to Safari and then automatically open in picture in picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a little video of just about you know how to get this workflow and how to do that and to this day it's like my most hit video on youtube <laughs> it's oh wow clear as day in the title like how to get youtube picture in picture on ios 11 and it uh right it gets like comments every other day about people saying oh it doesn't work anymore and blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> but this is a uh an often looked up and highly requested feature of youtube if they put I picture and picture 
in YouTube Premium, then it'll be like an instant buy for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have, I mean, I've been a YouTube Premium subscriber uh, since it launched. They they kind of roped me in with uh, their those like, like one or two of their premium shows that looked good, and so I subscribed with the free month or whatever. And then I really started enjoying YouTube without ads, and so I just kept paying for it and haven't really bothered with any of their premium shows since then. But uh, I remember when Picture in Picture was first announced, there was a third-party app that was recent. I don't remember what it was called now, but it was another YouTube player specifically that supported Picture in Picture and background audio and all the stuff that YouTube didn't. ProTube, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I paid the 5 or $10 or whatever it was for that app, and... It lasted about a year before YouTube completely cut all the APIs to make sure ProTube was completely dead. I know people who are still like sideloading ProTube, or maybe not anymore, but onto their devices like every time they get a new device. People love that really? app. Really? Yeah. It was a good app, and the developer was really active. I feel like it had a similar community to something like Apollo had. It was like a really strong developer community relationship with that app. Um, one of the commenters, I eat pineapple for lunch... Uh, puts in a comment. Here's my two cents. Netflix is introducing their low-tier mobile-only streaming plan, and to prevent people from watching on TV, they disabled AirPlay. And uh, also, Netflix is now a competitor of Apple because of Apple TV. That's an interesting theory. Uh, a mobile-only streaming plan. It's uh, That is interesting. Yeah, why not? It's a pretty good idea. I mean, so many people watch it on mobile. Mobile uses less bandwidth. I don't know if that's really a consideration for Netflix. I mean, they're, they're probably paying for like a bazillion terabytes of bandwidth already. Um, but they, they can send lower quality streams to, to smaller devices just because of the screen size. Right. Um, I don't know if it's more easily controllable. They probably have to put less effort in if they don't have to worry about coding for, for web browsers. I know for a long time they didn't even really support Safari that well and you had to always bump over to Chrome. That could work. I was thinking that this opens them up to do things like bundles. Uh, like I know with my carrier, I get Apple Music for free just at first having a plan through them. And I could see maybe some kind of similar partnership with Netflix if they had some kind of mobile-only streaming option. Uh, this doesn't stop anyone from still... AirPlay, like mirroring their screen or plugging their devices directly into television. Uh, but I don't know. It would have to be pretty cheap to be a compelling offer, I guess. Because uh, I, I personally don't watch any Netflix on my phone, but have it, it or some other streaming service going on at my house on one of my TVs almost all the time. So it wouldn't be very compelling to me if it was only a few dollars a month cheaper. Now, if this was like $5 a month, that could be interesting. I really like your idea of it being bundled with uh, like a mobile plan, kind of like how Apple Music is already. And and here, at least in Australia, we have like sports services that are bundled with mobile plans as well. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, imagine selling a mobile plan with Netflix included. That's like an instant buy for a lot of people. Yeah, that would be a very compelling offer. Speaking of compelling offers, the HomePod has been cut in price in the US. Now, here's something we haven't talked about a lot since we, since we, <laughs> since it came out and since we bought them. Um, That's right. But I like have a 
strong love for my homepod and a home pod. Not sure why I can't say that today. And then also like ten percent of pure hatred. But um, the love certainly outweighs the hatred for it. I'm in a a very similar boat. I've got a couple home pods and I love them for their audio quality and how well they're able to fill the room and the integration with the ecosystem. And even Siri is okay, not maybe not even 90, 80, 85% of the time for the basic things I want to do, which is ask about the weather or control my smart home accessories is the big one. Uh, turning lights on and off or adjusting temperature. My issue is that she periodically, like maybe once a week, uh, loses connection to my smart home accessories in some way and have to completely unplug the home pod and plug it back in for her to be able to control them again. That's uh, annoying. I'm not sure if this, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a common issue or not, but just to be like once a week, I'll say, Hey, turn the living room off. And she'll say, hold on working on that. And <laughs> just be like over and over again for like 20 seconds and said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And then no amount of time afterwards, you could leave it a week and she still won't be able to do it until you unplug it and plug it back in. Uh, what sort of home accessories do you have that, that are failing to respond? Uh, it's mostly lights. Lights are the biggest inconvenience. Uh-huh. Uh, are they Hue bulbs? Fact, the only smart home. They are Hue bulbs, yeah. Um, well, personal experience, I've got the same setup, HomePod plus Hue lights, and my mm-hmm. HomePod has, I don't think, ever lost connection to the lights. Really? I mean, I'd have to... Yeah, no. No, Never. <laughs> Well, not for a long time, actually. No, I, I take back never. When the HomePod first came out, I would occasionally have things like that, but certainly not in like the last year. It hasn't been an issue I've ever had until I've moved into this house. And I have hypothesized that there's just a weak connection between my hub, my like Hue hub, and the HomePod directly. I mean, my Hue hub is sitting right next to my router, so it should have a strong connection to the internet. And I assumed that Siri and the hub connected and spoke over the internet and not directly because they are kind of like far separated across the house in that respect but I figured there was no way they weren't communicating over the internet to each other well if your HomePod can stream music all right then it's probably got a reasonable enough connection that you'd hope it would be able to send like a few packets to the Hue hub right yeah it has no issues there so I'm not sure what it is maybe it needs a software update I have had trouble with updates on the HomePods in the past, so. The thing I, let me start with the things I like about my HomePod. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a speaker that's always there and it always basically plays decent sounding music and I never have to think about it. (laughs) That's pretty much it. And there's nothing to mess with. Like my biggest, this is, this is probably maybe a strange annoyance, but like systems that I've had in the past, I'm always messing with them. Like, oh, it's got an aux in. Hmm, what else could I plug into here? Maybe I could get, like, FM radio going on it. That could be fun. Ah, oh, it's got, like, a mm-hmm. few, like, speaker outputs. Maybe I could add something else. It's like a never-ending uh, project, I guess. Eventually, it gets gets old. But the HomePod is just, it just is as it is. And there's kind of nothing you can do with it. So, <laughs> there's no temptation to try and improve it. Except to buy another HomePod, which... I think that the the look that my wife would give me if I did that was kind of discounting that idea straight away. <laughs> um, but that's a 
a great statement. My favorite thing about the HomePod is there's nothing you can do with it. Yeah, and that was like <laughs> one of the main complaints when it came out, right? There's no aux in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I do have the odd problem, uh, namely Siri, like personal requests. That's when you ask it to send a message or set a calendar appointment. I very, very frequently get uh, your iOS device must be on the same network and like it's in my hand or very close by and it just doesn't work. And also... Running shortcuts on it, very frequently get... Uh, there was a problem with the app. It was just kind of the error message it returns when I try and run a shortcut most of the time. Uh, so besides those two things, uh, it's it's pretty much the perfect device for me. Hmm. Uh, I don't use my HomePod for personal requests very often. Like the main ones out in my house have it turned off because uh, the kids like to talk to Siri and the last thing I need is them calling someone or something on it. Uh, the one in my office does have personal requests on and as far as making a phone call here or there sending a text message i've never had an issue uh but i don't think i've ever tried to run a shortcut through my home pod uh, my number one shortcut is just uh play play overcast so i use overcast as my podcast player oh okay and if you say that then it'll actually start an airplay stream from overcast on the phone and send it to the home pod and then um Overcast is, is really well made with this, this this shortcut, whatever you call it. The um, is like a Siri integration, and it will pick up either right. the last podcast you were playing if it wasn't finished, or the next one on the list. It's like a million times better than actual podcast Siri integration of like the official podcast app. Um, but the fact wow. that you can do it on the HomePod and get it to to automatically start an AirPlay stream from your phone, um, it's really good when it works. <laughs> You know who else could probably make something like that? Skype. Skype. Instead of <laughs> file, instead of filing a lawsuit and making the silly cartoon about how Apple doesn't let us use the HomePod. Really? I did not see that. Please explain. Uh, so, or don't, if you don't want to. <laughs> you'll have to watch it. Um, Spotify filed a lawsuit against Apple for unfair practices. Uh, mostly regarding the App Store. They're saying, like, it's not fair that we have to pay uh, part of our subscription fees to you if our customers buy through uh, our app instead of our website. And it's not fair that, like, um, Apple Music gets preferential treatment and things like having an Apple Watch app or working on the HomePod. It's like, these are things that you're just not doing, Spotify. but they filed this lawsuit, and they made a, a accompanying website, um, and I'll Google it real quick. But it's a it's like a cartoon animation um, that's supposed to sell the idea of this lawsuit to consumers, um, and I don't know. They really the way they sell their argument makes it sound like they just assume everyone doesn't have any idea how things work. Like Apple won't let us play music on the HomePod or won't let us have an Apple watch app or takes extra long reviewing us or they charge us this tax, uh, because we're on the app store and we should be able to sell our apps, not through the app store. And, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I, I anyway, when you started, you said Skype and that's what confused me. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> what Microsoft is making funny cartoons against to ha- to. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
yeah, yeah. okay spotify cool. i did see that yeah yeah and apple's probably not perfect but they probably do need to change some things but i just don't agree with how spotify's going about it yeah it's a little below the belt you might say i don't know <laughs> um, yeah. XADAMXK says on the post that Apple discounting product by 20% is their way of telling us they effed up. I <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. I don't think the product is a failure, but it certainly might be priced too highly to become like a real hit. Um, I mean, what other products have they reduced the price of after they've launched it? Uh, the original iPhone? Oh, that's Can you true. Think of any others? Yeah. Um. No, <laughs> I forgot about the iPhone. Yeah, so I mean, the original iPhone. I don't think that was an f up. So. Yeah, yeah. The HomePod has been kind of a disappointment, and just maybe how little it disrupted the market. Uh, it kind of got the same amount of naysayers as things like the Apple Watch got when it came out. You know, Apple's too late to this market. Their offer isn't compelling. No one's going to buy it. And the Apple Watch became the most popular wearable on the market by a long shot. And I was, I think Apple and probably some, a lot of people were hoping that the HomePod would get a similar position. And uh, it definitely hasn't lived up to that. I don't know. I just don't know if there's like a huge market for really good sounding speakers. I mean, a lot of people compare the HomePod to smart speakers just in general like you know this is the product category from from $30 to $300 you know you include the the Google mini and the HomePod in the same category right. um you can certainly do that but I don't think it's a fair comparison I think a Google home mini is like an instant buy for a lot of people and a lot of people I know have it just sitting in their house but it's not to play music it's just to answer questions about recipes and unit conversions and the weather and that which the homepod can certainly do but um right. i think it's in a class of product which isn't uh like a isn't something that uh certainly isn't an, an, an instant buy at that price uh, people don't go like shopping for home speakers all that often i mean i, I don't right. plan to replace mine for like a decade probably unless <laughs> Like the HomePod Two, if it ever comes out, is like something incredible. Um, right. So I, I think this is just a market that isn't a fast-moving market, and it, it will take a lot longer to really see if the HomePod has a foothold in it already or not. So, do you think with them cutting the price of the HomePod uh, without having a second generation to replace it? Do you think that means that there's not going to be a second generation or at least not anytime soon? Or do you think there's still a possibility we'll see either a HomePod 2 or a HomePod mini in the next year? Yeah, I'm really unsure how committed they are to this market. Like if they were really committed, then you'd have to say that they're going to introduce like a small version of it. Surely. Right. <laughs> like a small, cheap version to compete with the the Google Home mini. But if their heart's there or... I mean, there's... There's a couple factors at play here. Uh, first of all, when Apple does something, they like to do it right or not at all, like air power. And I feel like in their mind, if they're going to sell a smart speaker, it has to be a really good sounding one. And so they're not willing to make that compromise. On the flip side of that, if you're selling a $50 HomePod mini and its only selling point is Siri, that's not a very strong selling point. 
<laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, Siri is not the selling point of the HomePod. But seriously, though, if a if a HomePod Mini came out, I would buy it because I do need like something else. Like, I need yeah. something in the kitchen. You know, my HomePod's in the living room, but I need something in the kitchen to to answer questions and to set reminders and that sort of thing. So, I would buy a HomePod Mini for fifty dollars, like in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. Uh, like I've got an Alexa uh, in my bathroom because I don't want to put a HomePod in such a humid space. But if it was a $50 HomePod, I might be more willing to stick something in in the bathroom so I have better <laughs> A burner <control>. unit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been using this, this uh, Echo in my bathroom for three years now, and it's lasted. So I don't... I'm not too worried about the humidity damaging it, but I'm not going to put a $300 speaker in there and take that risk. So there's a rumor... That Apple's going to launch an iPhone 10e with a 4.8 inch edge-to-edge OLED display with Face ID in Q3 2019. So this year, I'm guessing alongside the the regular iPhone releases, um, a 10e with 4.8 inch display. We're basically saying this is uh, the SE2, <laughs> the mythical SE2, the rumored on and off, the, the SEX, sure. <laughs> Is there a market for small phones? Certainly there's a niche. There are a lot of people asking for it. A lot of people have the SE, mm-hmm. me included now. Um, but uh, Bro2017 comments, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go again. Is this yet another rumor which turns out to be nothing? I don't know. I mean, we have heard this, not this exact rumor, but similar rumors that a new SE was coming out for a few years now. Uh, so, of course, we've taken with a large grain of salt, uh, but with Apple's approach so far this year with uh, revitalizing the Mac Mini and bringing back, or not the Mac Mini, the iPad Mini and bringing back the iPad Air, uh, and they did bring back the Mac Mini last fall. So maybe there is a chance they're focusing more on some niche markets and we could see another SE with all their phones getting so much bigger now it could be even more compelling than it was when the first one came out a few years ago. Here's what they didn't do when they started like readdressing all these niche markets. They didn't create like an entire new manufacturing process. That's true. <laughs> like iPad mini, same shell, a uh, iPad Air Pro. I don't even remember what it was called, but it's just <laughs> yeah, it's the old iPad Pro 10-inch, right? Mm-hmm. Mac mini is kind of unchanged. Um. But this this 10e, uh, actually, I guess I'm just going off like renders of what it could look like. Right. The, the, no one is saying that uh, this isn't going to just use like the current SE body and somehow put like an edge edge display on it. But even something like that is going to require quite a decent uh, engineering effort to do. But who knows? Maybe like Johnny Ive is so in love with the. Um, what do you call the edges? Uh, Chamfered. Not bezeled edges. Chamfered edges. <laughs> <laughs> me me and Johnny Ive are so in love with the chamfered edges that he just can't get rid of that, uh, that <laughs> five-style body. <laughs> and uh, he's going to bring it to 2019 with an edge-to-edge display. I think something like this is what edge-to-edge is made for. Like, to make an edge-to-edge display and then say, and now here's the, the 10s Max with 6.5-inch screen... You know, if you're making edge-to-edge technology, don't use it to make an even bigger phone. Use it to make your phones the same size but have bigger screens. 
so I feel like this is this could be a really compelling offer, uh, especially if they don't hinder it spec wise. Maybe all of Apple's phones this year are going to adopt like the new iPad Pro design, which is quite similar to that iPhone five style um, body. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind that. I think it's a great look. Yeah, I think that'd be a great direction to go. Uh, kind of a step back, yeah, to the old four and five design, but I think those are some of the most beautiful iPhones they made. And these rounded iPhones are pretty hard to differentiate between the size and shape of any other phone on the market. So I would definitely be in favor of, of going back to a design like that. The yeah, the iPhone six and up design is heavily copied and uh yeah, you're right, it, it just kind of blends in with all the other phones. Whereas, I think I've said this before, like, the 4 and the 5 designs, and before that, are kind of iconic. Um, whereas the yeah. current design, I don't think I would ever give that title to. Yeah, I completely agree. So, they've distilled it down to the essence of what a phone is, and there's not much personality left in it. Here's a topic that we haven't talked about for a, a long time. So, nearly half of all third-gen Apple Butterfly keyboards at Basecamp have failed. <laughs> uh, so Basecamp is a company and someone at that company did a survey via Slack by the look of it to, mm. <laughs> to get a summary of uh, who has a MacBook and who has a keyboard problem. Uh, and to summarize it, what did I say? Nearly half of all of them have a problem. <laughs> and the thing that... Uh, was reported when this came out that I think is kind of unreported so far is that so many people just live with crappy keyboards. Like the numbers that Apple have are based on people that bring their keyboards in for repair, but a lot of people don't do that. I can speak for myself that a lot, uh, I had like a, a bad keyboard, bad keys for for a long time just because, you know, I couldn't get to an Apple store or you know, I was waiting for it to be like really bad. Like, you know, I had two bad gears. I wanted three to, to be worth the trip into the Apple store to pay the parking <laughs> and be without a, a Mac for um, for two weeks while they repaired it and all that. Right. So Apple's exposure to this problem. I, I wonder if they if they realize this, acknowledge it internally that, you know, it was it 11% of them fail, but 50% of them have the problem or even more? Yeah, there's there's no way that they aren't aware of this and they're just uh trying to minimize it as much as possible for PR and also legal reasons um but i think that this has to be addressed this has been the third generation and really the was this fourth or fifth year since the butterfly keys were first announced on the so macbook 2015 macbook was the first okay. butterfly keyboard now so so four, years. four years yeah there's just no way they haven't been internally working on the replacement for this and we're gonna have to see it this year or apple's gonna be in a lot of trouble i think they've already done like a decade of reputation damage to themselves yeah because as as you know like macbooks are fairly uh they hold their value well and there is usually a very good resale market for MacBooks, but mm-hmm. uh, 
this is doing damage to that resale market and to everyone's opinion of Max, and it's just going to flow over to to their other products. I mean, it's unavoidable. The MacBook is like their most popular computer, MacBook Pro and MacBook. Um, for, for a very long time, the MacBook Pro was the computer that the rest of the industry was judged by. Uh, in any computer review video or laptop review video specifically, uh, even reviewers who weren't fans of Apple were always comparing their laptops against whatever Apple was doing. And I feel like that's been less and less the case recently. Uh, and I know I personally, not that I'm in the market for a Mac laptop, but if I was, there's nothing in their lineup that would be compelling to me. And I would be waiting for whatever redesigns on the horizon. I think one of the saddest things of all is that they've they redid the MacBook Air, which was an insanely popular computer. Pretty much like everyone... <laughs> everyone had a macbook air almost right. if you didn't have a macbook pro you had a macbook air <laughs> and there were definitely more macbook airs around than pros mm-hmm. uh, and they they redid it and they put this keyboard in there which i mean from what i read on twitter which you know you know i know you only see complaints online you, you don't see people say wow my keyboard is still working but like right. mere weeks after getting these new macbook airs and the keys are starting to fail already uh, the MacBook Air was was like uh, like a hundred percent satisfaction brand, <laughs> right? And uh, it's certainly not going to be after this. Yeah. If I were to get a portable computing device from Apple right now, I would get an iPad Pro without a without question. Ah, uh, jumping on the iPad bandwagon, eh? <laughs> Following in my footsteps, eh? That's right. <laughs> so, but uh. Yeah, it's sad to see, uh, but it seems like, and I I linked this article as well, uh, that we're going to see a revamp of the MacBook lineup as well this year. Uh, There's been some pretty strong rumors uh, from Ming-Chi Ko specifically that Apple has some redesigned models to be launched. There's been some debate, I think it's mostly apparently been translation issues. But we are going to see a redesigned MacBook Pro this year, potentially in a larger 16-inch form factor, which hopefully means a ground-up redesign, and then farther out, like in the next year or two, some some even more interesting redesigns involving mini LED displays. I certainly hope that this this redesign that's been rumored for a while does come out this year, because as we know, it does take like years for a new design to kind of spread across the range so even a new design this year probably means they're still selling like the the bad generation of butterfly keyboards in like 2021 22 yeah yeah you're right you know what's interesting to me i have heard i don't think any complaints ever of the keyboard on the macbooks failing and maybe i haven't been looking hard enough but i wonder if that's a testament to like they got it right the very first time or just no one has ever bought the macbook yeah no one bought the macbook all right that's something i'm surprised i still have in their lineup considering kind of old and even when it was new it was very low powered so i i don't understand who would look for this uh it's a niche i think and it's it's a really nice computer so small and light and slow um but people do love them (laughs) yeah 
So I'd love to see them do something meaningful with that. Like I said this before, but putting a ARM processor in there, I think is the destiny of the MacBook. I don't see it going anywhere else. Hmm. That, uh, that's a whole nother topic, but, uh, imagine that. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm James VDM on Reddit and on Twitter. And I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. I have like a few comments that I wanted to make about the keynote, which I didn't get in. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> we ran like a mile over time already. Yeah. Um, the first one is about Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. They showed like uh, Apple Pay adoption around the world and there was like a map of the world and Australia was sitting at 99%. So I was just really proud of that. <laughs> I'm really jealous. <laughs> and I was actually thinking like, what makes up that 1%? And it's got to be places that don't take card at all, like cash only places, because I can't think of anywhere else that doesn't take Apple Pay. Like if you accept a card, then you take Apple Pay. Even like parking machines and vending machines at this point which are usually like the last things to adopt anything. It's almost the exact opposite here. Our vending machines, like the very first things you could use tap to pay on. Yeah? Well, yeah, okay. before you could use it in stores or anything. That's <laughs> <laughs> just how much our Americans like their sweets, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um on on TV Plus, uh I I think I heard this in a podcast somewhere else. Someone was saying that um like there's no possible way that they can charge money for TV Plus at the moment. And that got me thinking like maybe it isn't to start with. Maybe it's not something they charge money for. Maybe it's just something that you get when you have an iPhone or an iPad. Maybe this is just like uh, an extra. I mean, to start with, I don't know if it would continue that way. Um, But what maybe was, this is like a free tier of TV shows. What was the justification for that? Just that their original content isn't compelling enough? Like, there's, there's so little there that how no one is going to pay money for five TV shows, like a subscription for that, as it stands. Right. I could see that. Maybe something bundled with Apple Music, like Planet of the Apps was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Possibly that. It seems like they've been putting a lot of money into TV Plus just to give it away, though. Yep, that's true. It's something to get them in people into the TV app to start with so that they then go and buy like the Showtime or the HBO subscription. Maybe it's part of a bundle. When you get News yeah. Plus and Music Plus and Apple Arcade, TV yep. Plus is thrown in. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, just quickly to finish up on um, on uh, on Apple Arcade, one thing that uh, the, the fine print... You know how we're saying that Apple Arcade games are going to be like Apple exclusive? Well, that's kind of how they were billed. Mm-hmm. seems to be that they're just mobile exclusive like they're not going to be on android but they're going to be on everything else like xbox playstation nintendo whatever oh really that seems to be the fine print of that it's huh. only uh mobile exclusive i mean i guess consoles aren't really strong competitors for apple so they don't need to mm. protect that market yep, yep. it's very interesting because if you're building for things like the nintendo switch that architecture is identical to some android platforms so it's almost oh, is it really? not yeah it's uh the switch has like the same tegra processor some android tablets had so wow did you have any final comments before we wrap up uh no <laughs> no sorry i don't, I don't think so <laughs> okay <laughs>